Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to episode 35 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Today, I do not have our friend Bennett with us. I am including, not including, I am introducing our dear friend Omari. Say hello, Omari. Hello, everybody. Into the podcast today, he will be our third co-host. So we will normally have three people. Uh, Bennett will not be joining us. Mr. Buckholtz will not be joining us this week. Play the sad trumpets if you want. Um, but, you know, the show goes on, and uh, we're here to do it. So, um, <laughs> obviously, we're just going to get to the introduction team. Uh, that I mean, well, the first team that we always get to uh, every week is Seattle Seahawks in their game recap. Uh, first off, party game information. Carlos Hyde and Carlos Dunlap were both listed as questionable prior to this game. Both would play in the game. Uh, and there's a little bit to say on Carlos Hyde after we go over the game. Uh, Trey Flowers was listed as doubtful and then was placed on IR on Saturday. Uh, so DJ Reed would get that uh, starting spot at cornerback on the other side of Shaquille Griffin. Uh, and as I said, Saturday roster moves. Trey Flowers placed on uh, IR. Offensive tackle Chad Wheeler, who would get some playing time in this game, uh, was elevated from the practice squad. And defensive tackle Brian Monet was moved from IR to reserve COVID list. Now, I'm just going to say this now just because the reserve COVID list kind of makes it look like we had a positive. As it stands right now, Brian Monet is not positive. They just had somebody, he was close to somebody, uh, he had close contact, so the team's just being extremely cautious with that. And he is being put on uh, the reserve COVID list just to isolate himself. So that is why that is. Uh, team still has no, knock on wood, no active, uh, well, no positive tests so far this season. Game day inactives were right tackle Brandon Shell, uh, His backup, right tackle Cedric Obwehi, uh, defensive end John, Jonathan Bullard, guard Phil Haynes, and running back Travis Homer, who we have not seen in a few games. We'll get right into the game. Recap here versus the Giants. In the first quarter, the Seahawks opened up the scoring when Jason Myers nailed a 31-yard field goal with 11.50 to go in the first quarter. And that would be our only scoring in the opening period. Second quarter of the game would uh, we'd only get one score in the second quarter also. So it was a pretty low scoring half uh, with 33 seconds left to go before halftime uh, with New York backed up on their own end zone. Safety Ryan Neal would come in and block Riley Dixon's punt and the Seahawks would not be able to recover it for a touchdown safely. Uh, so it would go out for only the two point safety. Um, oh, not recover it for a touchdown. I think I said safety twice. Pardon me. Um, they would not be able to do anything with the safety punt uh, before halftime. And our halftime score would be five to nothing with Seattle ahead. Third quarter is really when the game sort of opened up, uh, mostly for the Giants. Uh, the Giants would command this quarter as Alfred Morris, who hasn't had a two touchdown game since 2014, would score a four yard rushing touchdown uh, after Dwayne Gallman. Uh, oh, shoot. I forgot his middle name. Uh, the other Giants running back, Gallman, uh, would score a four-yard rushing touchdown with 7.40 to go in the third, and he would also catch a six-yard touchdown from Colt McCoy, who has also not had a start and win since 2014. 2014 really kind of, you know, time travel, I guess, uh, for both <laughs> of those guys. Uh, catch that touchdown from Colt McCoy. Uh, on the first touchdown, the Giants would go for two and get it to put them up eight to five. And then after their second touchdown, they would miss the extra point. So at the end of the third, our final, our third quarter score would be Giants 14, Seahawks five, which is something I've 
you know, I don't know if I can say I've seen that score before. In the fourth quarter, the Giants would add a Graham Gano field goal from 48 yards out with 9.50 to go in the final period to give them a 17-5 to advantage. The Seahawks offense would put the ball in the end zone for the first time this game when Russell Wilson found Chris Carson from 28 yards out with 6.09 in the fourth uh, to bring Seattle within five, but Seattle wouldn't be able to muster any eight, many more points um, after that, and they would lose to the New York Giants 17-12. to Stat leaders... Russell Wilson was 27 for 43 in his passing. He had 263 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and he lost a fumble. So the uh, turnover role woes continue for a quarterback one here. Uh, rushing Chris Carson in his uh, second game back from injury had 13 attempts for only 65 yards, no TDs. Receiving DK Metcalf had five receptions for 80 yards. Uh, tackles, Jamal Adams had 11 total tackles. Eight solo, one sack, one tackle for last one QB hit, really, uh, again, lighting up the stat sheet. And turnovers, Quandre Diggs had one interception uh, that the team not be able to capitalize on. So we'll just get right into it. Omari, uh, if you remember the block punt, uh, backup running back DJ Dallas had a, t- uh, a chance to secure that ball for a touchdown. So if, if, if he recovers that ball cleanly, right, because the ball hit him in the chest, essentially, and it bounced out um, and the team wasn't able to really secure it to get those six points. If, if, is this game different? And do we see a different outcome if he recovers that punt cleanly? Do you think, cause that's a six point swing and this team lost by five on Sunday. So do you think uh, that the game changes or was it just, were the issues with the team too much? I think, I think getting like already just cause they blocked a punt and they got a safety. That's already a morale boost. Mm-hmm. So they should have already had more confidence going into the second half, you know, because it really becomes going into the second half, it's a new game. So your energy, like that's something that really changes the factor of what's going on right there, mm-hmm. you know. So whether it was like, I think the half was rough already. So I think them getting the safety was enough of a morale boost just from what was going on. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the six points might have made a difference, but like the Seahawks were already having issues all over the place to begin with. So I think they had a bigger problem at that, like, Mm-hmm. Those points were not ever really fixed because, you know, it wasn't really they, – they were struggling all over the place. Yes. So that's sort of a good segue here. Uh, we, we, me and you talked about it a little bit right before we opened this up. What, what's going on with Russell Wilson? And is it – you know, he, 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 missed, he missed some throws and uh, there's some issues with some sacks that you mentioned, and uh, I'll let you speak on that. But uh, what you know is is he to blame for this? Is is something going on, or do you think there are other things at work here? I would say he's partially to blame. One, I would say, okay, he, we all know the Seahawks' big Seahawks' biggest weakness is an offensive line, and the Giants expose that because they actually have a really good D line. They have a really good D line that put a lot of pressure on Rush that didn't really give him time to like fully get into his motion. Like there was no point in the game where I felt like Russ was cooking. Like there was no point where I felt like he was like, he had solid footing and was like in control of the game. There was no point where I was watching that where I was like, okay, he's in control of what's going on. He's ready. He's about to go make a play. Mm -hmm. At no point did I have any confidence in Russ like that because it's just, the thing about the Seahawks is like, it's easy to know our weakness and it's our offensive line. And it's really easy to expose that too. So, you know, I think Russ definitely could have done a lot of things better, you know, 
the pick that he threw, that's definitely not one that he should have thrown. You know, that was really just him, like, rushing and panicking. That's not a pick he should have thrown right there and was really costly to us in the end. But, you know, I think this honestly might have to do with him uh, trademarking that, the let Russ cook things. Ever since he did that, you know, he's just been downhill. You know, he was getting it's, cocky. You know, it's, it's like, humble Russ is what we need. Humble Russ is the best for us. Yeah, because like, something that goes both ways I've seen in arguments is, uh, people say that he's he's gotten his, you know he's got his hands in too many things from I know he just released a fragrance and uh, obviously the trademark and he's got his podcast with Mark I mean his podcast and he spoke with Mark Cuban about owning the Seahawks at some point um, but I mean really since since that trademark sort of happened and after that five and zero start this team is three and four now so you know it's and he's got I don't I don't have the exact stats, but I think uh it's for a period of, he's he's got over twelve turnovers now, which is really uncharacteristic. Uh you know. He looked off in some throws, you know, and to go to go to the O line, um we've really had solid production from I think about three guys. I think Dwayne Brown, Dwayne Brown's been playing his heart out at left tackle. He's a he's a solid guy. Left guard's been a position that's kind of been Left guard and center are sort of have seen some issues with consistency because Mikey Potty's been in and out with injury. And even during the game, I noticed that he wasn't uh, in for periods of time. And I haven't seen an uh, an, uh, update on that. Pardon me. Uh, Center, Ethan Pochett has played well, but obviously he was out for a few weeks. Um, Damian Lewis has been a stud for the most part of the season. I haven't seen uh, PFF grades for him lately, but I know he's been a stud and he came in and played uh, center um, in the Arizona game. But right tackle when you're when you're playing with your a, a guy that got elevated off the practice squad on Saturday to play right tackle, uh, and he beats out Jamarco Jones, who I, I forgot Jamarco Jones on the team. When they considered that this guy that came up off the practice squad the day before the game, uh, when they, when they decided that mid game that he was better than Jamarco Jones, who's has had some experience with this team at offensive line. Granted, he's been shuffled around a bit, you know, but it, it, it was a mess. And I, I would, I would agree with you on saying that he's at partial fault here because, you know, the giants, I see a lot of I saw a lot of tweets and things and like news headlines that saying that the Giants played really well and to their part you know they've been playing they've been playing good ball Joe Judge um, has been doing a good job in his first year I don't know how I'd feel about that signing for them um, but th- this was a game I would I would say this isn't a game that the New York Giants won really I say this is I a don't game who see actually I wouldn't say that because if you look. I don't know if you pay attention to the Giants. Not not a lot of people do, so I wouldn't blame I, you. I try to keep into the NFL as a whole, you know. All their games have been pretty close. Like, they're not, like, especially for the situation they're in right now where they're missing their starting quarterback, their yeah. star running back. They've actually been doing Which is crazy to think about, though. that they don't even have Saquon right now. Exactly. Think about where we would be right now if we didn't have Russ. Yeah. We definitely wouldn't be doing as good as the Giants, and I know that for a fact. Yeah. We wouldn't. It's just, you know, my thing is I know that if Russell plays to who we know him to be, because this isn't this is not normal Russell Wilson. It's we not. know that. We know that. You know? And I don't I I don't know. I can't say anything. I cannot put my like my hand on anything and say, Oh, this is why 
because we don't know. You know, people say, oh, maybe he's injured. Maybe he's got his hands in too many things. But, you know, the fact of the matter is he's turned the ball over a lot. Um, I think he might he's, – he's near the top of the, the league lead in turnovers. You know, Carson Wentz was in that position, and now he – I think he might have overtaken Carson Wentz, which is saying a lot. Uh, Carson Wentz got a lot. Jalen Hurts. He's getting benched. Yeah. So that that's <laughs> – goodness gracious. Um, you know, but when they I were, look at that game – I genuinely think in a certain way we just got out coached. Yeah, no, that's a thing too. That was that was uh when I was looking at we're just gonna go into I'll partially segue this into my next question is who is to blame for this team's poor stretch uh since starting five and zero? because if I go and grab my schedule here, um you're five and oh well you're yeah, you're five and oh you go into the bye week and then you lose Arizona, which is you know, you know, we this division is a good division. And you beat the Niners, which is solid. And then mm, – We didn't beat well, the Niners by enough, so. Yeah, that, they, they kind of came back into that game, which is, you know, I, I don't like having that at all. But after the bye week, that stretch of Arizona, Santa Clara – I don't call them San Francisco because they play in Santa Clara. Buffalo, <laughs> L.A., and the Cardinals again. That's a very crucial five-game stretch. And you go three for two in that stretch in this division where the, the Rams, you know, seem to, I don't want to say quietly, but they, they, you know, I don't really see them in the headlines as much. When they should be. The Rams are doing fucking like, I know. They're, they're a threat in, yeah. you got to realize that they're also eight and four and they're a good eight and four. We're yeah, a bad so eight and four. They're a good they, eight and four. Yeah. They're, they're at their top of the division, you know, so it, you can't drop these games. You know what I'm saying? So, like, to go and have that stretch where you play poorly in Buffalo and you play poorly against L.A. And then, sure, you beat the, the, the Cardinals, you know, get them out of the way for the rest of the season. You beat the Eagles in primetime, which is the Eagles. Uh, and then you lose to this Giants team. You know, it's, it's – it's, Pete Carroll, in, in the three losses besides the Arizona game, it's called the Bills, Rams, and Giants losses. He's called them uncharacteristic. You know, and maybe one game. Uh, sure, the Cardinals. It's that game that was just yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you know what I'm saying. When it's it's if it's one game, you know, and the team plays weird. Sure, okay, I get it. Two games, all right. You know, I'm kind of getting uh, a little bit wary. But three games in an NFL season where you say the play's been uncharacteristic. That's coaching, and that's not getting your team prepared correctly. At all. No. And I think a slight issue we might have with the Seahawks is kind of like depth because we suffer a lot of injuries, and mm. when that happens, we, we're, we're down bad. Like, the only thing we got depth at is running back. That's the thing, too, is linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that does play a factor, too, because if you think about it with the cornerback situation, Quentin Dunbar and Trey Flowers are on IR right now. So those are two sort of starter caliber guys. You know, Trey Flowers may be in the slot uh, or the third cornerback position. Pardon me. Yeah, third cornerback position. Pardon me. Um, those guys have been out. Those guys have been in and out, you know, and even Shaquille Griffin was out for a stretch, you know. So cornerback in a passing league, that's huge. You know, when you're playing the Rams and the Bills and the Cardinals, those are important guys to have out. So, you know, to your point, yes, depth, depth is an issue. And when you're missing guys from the O-line to go back to that, you know, and even even running back, I know we do have some depth there, but go back to the Bills and the Rams game when 
DJ Dallas and Alex Collins, bless his heart. Alex Collins, who came off the street, you know, metaphorically, um, to come and play for this team. Yeah. I want to get into that because I think a balance is needed because I don't, I don't like bashing on the, the let Russ cook thing because, I, I mean, we can see what Russell can do. We've seen it in past years about how he can pass the ball. And you give him DK Metcalf and you give him Tyler Lockett um, and Chris Carson's a solid guy to go and run the ball for you. And when this O-line is healthy, you can do great things. But to your point, they haven't been healthy. And I feel like in any football season, no team is going to stay completely healthy. No, you know? that's not what's going to happen. But it's like I feel like mm-hmm. the Seahawks are only successful in certain situations when certain circumstances are met or we mm-hmm. have certain things. And it's like like the Giants, if you look at that, the Giants won with a, a, a backup quarterback, <laughs> a backup running back. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they're, they're in a situation they they pull it out. I don't think us, like, I don't think the Seahawks can do that. And to your point, that's got to be coaching. They coached. They knew that they were going to be at their quarterback. They know that they don't have Sa- Saquon Barkley, you know. So the, to your point, yes, I would agree. They got out coached, you know. I mean, and some other things that I wanted to, to touch on is, you know, the play calling has been kind of weird, you know, just things have been bizarre for a while. Um, even go back to last week against um, Philadelphia with those fourth downs. If you remember that fourth downs in the first half, those were kind of bizarre plays. Just things, you know, offense offense hasn't looked the same. Russell kind of looked lost. There were a couple times where I didn't really want to blame the right uh, Chad Wheeler, uh, the right tackle, because it looked like Russell almost stepped into those sacks, you know. But, yeah, it, it's the, – the, overall, the offense is not – in a situation, they're not playing to their potential, is what I'll say. The coaching staff, you know, to go back to that, they're not figuring out the short yard situations. Fourth and three, this offense is supposed to be one of the best offenses in the league, and you, you, you're telling me you can't get three or three or less yards on fourth down, you know, around the midfield point. That should be like, something, you know, that you should be able to do. It should be, especially when you look at the talent that we have on this team. Yes, like on that, paper, mm-hmm. you're like. You look at the Giants versus the Seahawks on paper, you're like, okay, the Seahawks should win this. Yeah, like, I mean, if you go at, like, position, you know, wide receivers, you could say we have good, better wide receivers. Running back, better running back. Quarterback, but so, you know, it's you go on and on. And the it's talent, like, yes, the talent. That's a good point. You know, overall, we are a better team. We should be a better team. We should yes. have won that game. But we always – play down to our opponent for some random ass reason real weird now right about now you know I'm kind of scared now because you know we play the Redskins who beat the Steelers yeah that's a game not the Redskins my bet the Washington football team the Washington football team yes who beat the Steelers you know I was looking at the rest of our schedule and I was like okay this should be a cakewalk we should but now I'm not sure anymore because we really mm-hmm. dropped the ball against the Giants and then who do we got we got the Jets and the Jets next oh. week um and well, then we go and play and and it's like the 49ers are kind of getting used to their situation now. And it's yep. like, yep. So I don't even know if we could go, we can go like 4 and 0 this next few games. I, I don't even believe in that. Um, yeah. And to your point, you know, play uh, the Jets at home next week. Uh, you got to go on the road to play out Washington, which is after watching, after seeing that game, I didn't get to watch it because it was, you know, I don't know, the, the TV listings were weird on that. Um, but seeing how that game played out, and knowing that they have a good def- defensive line, you're going to need a good game plan to get around. Because Washington has a good defensive line. You know, 
So you're going to have to know, you're going to have to be prepared for that. The team's just, the Seahawks have not been playing complimentary football. Uh, you know, you, you you want the offense to be out there and give the defense time to, you know, go out and recover. You don't want a lot of sudden change. Um, you know, offensive play calling, the offense has to be able to put defense in position to succeed. You know, when we're, when Russell's out there, well, Russell and the offense are out there and it's punt, 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 fumble, turnover, you know, whatever, putting the defense back out there again and again, they're going to get tired. You know, in the first half, to me, they played well. The defense played well. And then in the third quarter, you know, you keep having to run them out there. You see these big runs getting broken off. It's, you know, the defense will get tired after a while. They can't stay out there the whole time. You know, it's stamina is a thing. Um, so it's uh, looking at that stretch coming up, Jets, Washington, L.A., and uh, the Niners, to Amari's point. The Niners, you know, they, Nick Mullins has, in, in the time that he's played in the NFL, he's been serviceable. Uh, they have, they still have incredible depth at running back. Um, at, at every position on that team. <laughs> yeah, the, the wide receivers are playmakers. You know, they have a good old line on the defense. Fred Warner's incredible. You know, they, they got Richard Sherman back. Yeah, so, but, you know, it's, you really need to step up. Things need to be, people need to be held accountable on that team, not just players. Coaches need to, you know, step up. It's, it's you know, if you want to, this goes into my next question. Oh, go ahead. I just feel like injuries at this point in the season, injuries can't be an excuse for losing games. Yep, every, because every team has yeah. injuries and every team has adapted to them. Yep. Yep. Exactly. You can't say, oh, this guy is down. So we're not, you know, we're missing him. Because if I look at the Niners, they don't have one big guy that I'm not necessarily a fan of. They're, they're missing Nick Bosa and, uh, ah, shoot, what's his name? Solomon Thomas. They're missing a lot of guys on that Niners team. They, you know, they've won games. They've pulled games out. They, they blew out New England in New England. For a team that's as injury riddled as them to go and blow out anybody is a feat. So, you know, yes, to your point, every, every, yeah, especially at this point in the season, when we get to week 14 now, everybody's dealing with some sort of injury. That's why this bye week in the playoffs is so important. And now that's looking out of reach with New Orleans at 10 and 2. It's, you know, I, I believe they're 11 and 2, actually. My bad. I don't remember. Um, I know that they're sort of pulling away. They've only got two losses. So, you know, it's. Yeah, they're 10 and 2. Oh, they're 10 and 2? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I, realistically, I don't think we're catching up to them. So, you know, it's. Uh, at this point, it looks like you're playing for a five seed, and I guess that's just how it is. But if you look back at, you know, you go five and zero, and then you lose to the Cardinals, that should have been, you know, shouldn't have lost to the Cardinals in that game. That was a close game. Beat the Niners, closer than it should have been. The Bills, that was just poor preparation, ugly game. The Rams, another just ugly game. Um, it's just this this coaching staff seemed to. F- you know, the defense hasn't really started clicking to me until week 11 against the Cardinals. And that's that's something that I shouldn't have to say. I shouldn't have to say that the, the defense is clicking in week 11. I don't even think the defense was clicking in week 11. I just think our defensive line, we just traded. Yeah. Some, was yeah. it Carlos? Carlos Dunlap? Dunlap. Yep. I think he was he was just going off. Yeah. So that, that's all I can think about. Carlos Dunlap is just really doing his job, what we traded him for. Yeah. No, d- more more so, I guess, the defense has been playing better than, you know, historically bad, I guess. Um, but it's it's just, 
football and just about every every sports in a way is games of adaption ad- adaptation you have to be able to adapt you know you can't sit there and just do the same thing over and over again people people learn this is a copycat league we saw it with the nfl i mean with the legion of boom pardon me you know these big guys that were able to get away with playing rough at the line of scrimmage and the nfl had to change that you're not able to do what they used to be able to do back in 2012-2013 you know so it's you have to be able to adapt and ken norton and this defense they're they're getting there, I guess. You know, I don't think that defense is to the potential that they could be, and you know, with the, the pieces that we have and the talent that's there. Um, but the offense, I don't like. Like we talked about during the game, me and you and uh, and Bennett. I don't know if they're playing possum or what, but you need to start beating people because this is ridiculous. You know, you lose um, one, two, three, four. Four of the last uh, two, four, six, seven. It was four of the last seven. That's not, you know, it's it's weird because, you know, you know, what I used to think about is once we hit December, this team starts winning. And December 6th, they lose to the Giants. It's, it's, you know, this is really weird. I could say uncharacteristic, but realistically, the coaches should get this team prepared and put them in the right position. So, you know. It's um, – I'm not really excited um, for playoffs. This team should make the playoffs, knock on wood. But uh, with the way that things are looking, uh, I'm not expecting a deep playoff run. So, you know, it's – every year that you waste Russell Wilson's prime to me is upsetting. Um, but, hey, you know, it's – It is, but it's also like Russell Wilson. I, like, it's not like they're – it's not just – them re- wasting Russell Wilson's prime. It's also on Russell Wilson too. Yeah, exactly. Because you, it's it's great to talk about owning the team and all that and doing all this stuff, but you know you've only got so much time. Your career is never guaranteed. Next year, I don't mean to be cliche, but you know what I mean. Next year is not guaranteed. We've seen careers yeah. get ended like that. You know, so yeah. To your point, it, nobody. I really think nobody. Uh, good that you said that. Um, nobody uh, is necessarily innocent here. So, you know, uh, offensive and defensive MVPs. Normally we'd have our friend Bennett here as well, but it's just me and Omari today. Uh, on offense, I had DK uh, just because, I don't know, I never really see a game that DK doesn't look like he came to play. Even in the Rams game, he looked up, he looked like he wanted to get the ball. So uh, I just, you know, I, I really can't give it to Russ. Um, and nobody else really on the offensive side stuck out to me. Uh, do you have an offensive MVP? Uh, yeah, no, I would definitely say DK also. You know, he all, he wants it, and you can clearly see that. I feel like sometimes when I'm watching Russ play, it doesn't look like he wants it. Yeah, that, that that's the thing, too, that I didn't – I forgot to sort of talk about. I don't know if you saw it, but he looked gun-shy to me, you know? Yeah, I, I saw it in his face. He looked like – I love Russ, so this is gonna sound real disrespectful. But he, he looked like a puppy to me. Like that's really like the, the, the I saw on his face. Like he took off his helmet. I was like, why does he look like a puppy right now? Like he doesn't look like a dog. Mm-hmm. He's like a puppy. He's he's not hungry for this. He does not want it. It's you know because you know, it yeah to to go back to talent. It's not like you've got you know third stringers out there. You've got DK Metcalf who who has all the potential in the world to be top five, top two guy. You know what I mean? He's got all the potential in the world. And I think you, you got to get him the ball more and you you've got to give him a chance at least, you know, 
So it's it's really weird. Sort of in the last in like the fourth quarter, if you noticed it, they kept dumping it off to the running back and Will Disley. And I love Will Disley, but you got to get your, your the ball in the hands of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You got to do that. Try to win. You're playing it safe. Yeah. Like when I saw Russ's face, and it kind of looked like he gave up. Mm somewhere through the game he's like you know you see the memes of like tom brady after he throws a pick and he's on the bench mm, he looks he looks angry he looks pissed but you know he's about to go back out there and really try like yeah because he wants to go out there and redeem it he wants it that dude's like 40 he's still hungry i feel like russ isn't hungry no more which is it's i don't know it's weird because you know he always talks about winning championships um and in the off season at the uh at the draft i believe or maybe at the super bowl uh they have a big event you know what i mean and he was talking about he wanted to add another another big piece and they got Jamal Adams you know to that extent first five weeks out of his mind you know and I you know I I like I said I can't put a finger on what's going on it's you know this is there's no real like the first few games of the season you can kind of stumble there are teams that have stumbled in the first two three games of the season but when you like when you get to the stretch with the divisional games, you can't be turning the ball over two, three times. That can't and, and repeatedly in several games, even the Bills, you can't, you know. So yeah, I don't know. It's a mystery to me. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I had Ryan Neal, even though one of his plays came on uh, special teams. Um, he came in and blocked that punt, uh, but then earlier. Uh, he was the one who went and broke up the pass uh, to get Quantra Diggs the ball. So is two that big the, plays there. Is that the is that the player who just got moved up this week? Mm-mm. Ryan is- Neal came in when. Uh, pardon me. I think Jamal Adams was out for a bit, and he filled in. Remember in the Dallas game, he got the pick at the end of the game, number thirty-five. Yes, yes. Okay, no, yep. I I definitely agree with you. I would either say him or. Uh, Jamal Adams. Jamal yeah, Adams. Always. You could go with either of like, honestly, just because they both kind of filled up the stat sheet. Well, he, I mean, Jamal filled up the stat sheet. For real. And I feel like Jamal Adams, you, you know, like he's always putting in effort. He's never not. Oh, yeah. For a game where Jamal Adams not, like, making a scene. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, he always, to go to go back to what you said about, you know, uh, being in it, like, you know what I mean? Um, and just having, let your face tell the story. He always sort of looks like he's ready to go. Obviously, he had some things like with his shoulder and um, he's dealing out with the groin, but he came back and, you know, he's been last few games, he's been stuffing the stat sheet. So uh, really, really hoping for that extension. I don't know when that'll come, but I really hope it comes sooner rather than later. Um, I think he'll definitely end his career in Seattle. Like he said he wants to, so you know. Yeah, especially, yeah, no, I don't know. Just like if you see it, you know, he's always talking about, the coaching staff and the team and what it's like up here. I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. I like hearing that people like it. You know what I mean? You don't ever yeah. want to be one of those things yes. where it's like you see headlines. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's uh, when he gets an extension, I'm getting a jersey. So uh, injury news, as I said before, uh, Carlos Hyde, his uh, little thing was he played the game with turf toe. So that's probably why he only got two carries. Uh, Chris Carson was not 100% this game, according to Pete Carroll, so do with that as you will. That's all the injury news that I have as we were doing this on a Monday. And uh, more injury news really comes throughout the week, so I can't, you know, I can't go back. I can't go forward in time and record this. 
Uh, team notes, Josh Gordon has been reinstated by the NFL and is eligible to return for the uh, Seahawks' final two regular season games. It was suspended indefinitely back in September for violating the NFL policy on performance-enhancing substances, substances and substances of abuse. Um, what, what role do you think Josh Gordon will play uh, when he's able to get back? So obviously we'll be sort of – usually uh, in the last two weeks, playoff picture is decided. But, you know, does it, you think he's, he takes that wide receiver three spot over David Moore? Um, or no, he but... sort of just come in and – because last season he came in and made some big third down catches, and obviously he had that game against Carolina where he had the big catch. What, what, what role do you think he plays? I mean, right now, when I feel like Cooper are preparing to play against the Seahawks, the main threats they're worried about are definitely DK, a large, a large threat downfield for sure, and Tyler Lockett. So I feel like he just adds – Another like another person for Russ to throw to when they're like doubling DK or something like you know mm-hmm. he can definitely I feel like he's gonna be the Take person some attention be off open. him almost yeah so I feel like he definitely can get more production from what he had last year on what we saw so I feel like we're just gonna get more of that but it's definitely gonna be needed you know it's and and I'll go outside of uh, our Seattle realm here a little bit just just because it kind of relates to Josh Gordon the NBA announced that this season they're not testing for marijuana. And what Josh Gordon has been busted for his entire career is marijuana. So it's just interesting to see that. Which is so funny to me because he's a good football player. Yeah, and it's, and it's like where it's A-B where it's like, oh, he's, he might be crazy or, you know, like some other like – Or the stuff, yeah. Violence, or nothing. It's like, nope, just can't stop getting caught smoking weed. Yeah, and it's like it's not like that necessarily makes him better. You know what I mean? So it's just – it's ridiculous because you see other guys in – I. I know I don't like them. I don't want to like them just because they took our supersonics, you know. But the NBA in recent years has done good things as a league, I'd say. You know what I mean? Um, and I just – I hope Roger Goodell – just it's, – it's really weird how they've treated Josh Gordon. So, you know, uh, I'm really – it's always good to see him get another chance. And I don't – I hate saying another chance because he really shouldn't have had to be put in that predicament anyways. Um, going on, uh, former Seattle kicker, Steven Hashka announced his retirement. He won the Super Bowl with Seattle during his six year tenure. He played 12 plus years in the league. Uh, he played with Buffalo as well, uh, and Jacksonville for a week. And I'm not kidding. He played with them for one week. Um, and then finally, Richard Sherman says that he is not looking like, it is not looking likely for him that he will re-sign with the 49ers and free agency. And I only put that in there because it's sort of interesting to see with the way that this cornerback situation is with uh, Quentin Dunbar and Shaquille Griffin, both looking at uh, potential they're they're both on contract years. Um, I'd, I'd like to re-sign Shaquille. I'm, I don't know how I feel about Quentin Dunbar. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him back for another year at, at minimum. Uh, but having, having Richard Sherman, you know, I don't know what he's thinking about how long he wants to play, but I would not be entirely opposed to bringing him back and having him finish his career in Seattle. I don't know how he feels about that, but uh, from what it's what from what he said, it doesn't look like he's going to be back uh, with the 49ers uh, next season. So that's uh, obviously we are in December here, but uh, in a few months that might be something to note. So we uh, we will touch back on that, uh, assuming we all don't disappear from this pandemic, but. 
it'll be nice. It'll be kind of like a fairy tale ending, you know. We got it'll we got nice. Marshawn back, you know. It'll be <laughs> if we got, you know. I can dream, you know. Um, I don't know if you want to come play with a dysfunctional team, though. So, you know, <laughs> you know. speaking of uh, pandemic, uh, on Wednesday, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell stated that he does not see a playoff bubble happening at all at a neutral at a neutral site during the NFL postseason this year. It's just interesting to have him say that. Um, considering some of the issues that the NFL has had in previous weeks, as to note the Ravens-Steelers fiasco that got pushed all the way uh, almost a, an entire week to Wednesday night football. So, uh, you know, I thought a bubble wouldn't be a bad idea, but I guess we won't see it for the NFL. Uh, the NFL tweaked COVID protocols again, announcing that there will be no in-person meetings following a game. And on Saturday night, the Kansas City Chiefs had a major scare over the weekend as they had seven false positive tests showed up uh, right before their game. So, you know, obviously a little bit of a scare, but they were able to go ahead. I don't know if they have any current issues as it's Monday and we don't know yet. But, you know, as far as I know, it seems like they're fine. Um, looking ahead, the team sits at eight and four and second in the NFC West, the number five seed in the NFC. So looking at a, ironically, this team is looking at a playoff wild card weekend at on the road in New York against the New York Giants. So that's how it sits right now. Eight and four is not a bad record, but you know, just considering the way that those losses came, obviously some frustration there. Uh, next game versus the New York Jets at home at one oh five Pacific time. So. Uh, the Jets recently released their defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, after the Jets were up in their game by a score. And they sent Greg, defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, sent eight people on a blitz with 13 seconds left, which is, if, if you know football whatsoever, that's a that stupid idea. Not smart. So, you know, really interesting to see what the Jets will have on defense. Uh, they still got Sam Darnold. Um, don't know about Frank Gore. I don't know if he's playing. It's that, uh, you know, the Jets, the Jets by, by record and, you know, by basically everything else are the worst team in the league, you know? So if this game is any close whatsoever, I, I really don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I mean, if you look at how that game with the Raiders went, they did, though, yeah, they did play a good game against the they Raiders. They played a good game. And it's, that just shows like that. I really feel like the Jets is really a full hundred percent of coaching situation. Yeah. Yeah, I but, you know, if the Seahawks don't get their shit together, they could definitely be in a close game, just like how the Raiders were, because the Raiders mm-hmm. are a good team, and the the Jets happen to manage to put Josh Jacobs down. You know, mm-hmm. they were able to keep control of Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs, so you know they could definitely well, handle until the, <laughs> until the last score. until the last one until they fucked up. But yeah, so for the most handle, part, yes, they can definitely handle Chris Carson and DK Metcalf. So we we really got to show up to play. Yep. This really needs to be a game where you kind of just got to say, you know, enough is enough and just kind of put the foot down. So uh, moving to the next game, I do actually have a tiny bit of uh, Mariners news. Uh, the team agreed to a one-year $3.01 million deal with Mitch Hanniger. This deal is not guaranteed. And Omari, I don't know if you know what the deal is with Mitch Hanniger, but it's funny because uh, do, do you know who I'm talking about at all? No, no, I do not. Please educate. So, me. Mitch Hanniger is an outfielder for the Seattle Mariners. He's uh, in baseball terms, he's called a five-tool player, which means he's very like versatile. Okay, um, 
but what's interesting is he hasn't he hasn't played for a bit. He's been out on injury, and his injury, if you wanted to know, was Mitch Haniger. He ruptured a testicle. Do I want to know how that happened or no? I don't. I don't even remember how it happened. I just remember oh. that's what his injury is. So, I think I he got hit with the ball, but that that's mm-hmm. that's Mitch Haniger's story. So, uh, you know, obviously brought back on a one-year, three point zero one million dollar deal, uh, which is not guaranteed whatsoever. Uh, and then the other piece of Mariner news: former Mariner Ichiro Suzuki announced that he will be coaching high school baseball in Japan. So, all best of luck to Ichiro in Japan there. The other, the, the big, the, the team that didn't let us down this week, the Seattle Sounders uh, in their game versus Minnesota, Minnesota United FC, the Loons, which is a pretty bizarre name. I'm sure there's more history behind it, but I, I you know, um, I won't give you the score. I'll just go through the scoring recap. Uh, Minnesota opened up the scoring in the 29th minute when Emmanuel Reynuso launched a free kick to give the Loons an early lead at halftime. They would have that 1-0 score. Bikaya Debasi would score a header goal in the 67th minute to give Minnesota a 2-0 lead. Sort of looked grim here. Uh, Sanders really didn't look like they had much juice, really weren't converting. They weren't getting good chances on goal. Uh, it was a lot of long freak, long uh, crosses, pardon me, and just long. It, it, it didn't look clean. You know, they, they played sluggish for a bit. But in the 75th minute, everything, everything changed. Uh, we'll, a lot of substitutions were made. Brian Schmetcher used all four of his available substitution windows. Will Bruin, one of those substitutions, would come off the bench uh, and score a goal in that 75th minute. Raul Ruiz Diaz in his uh, blonde-slash-silver hair would score a goal in the 89th minute. And in the 93rd minute, the Goose, Gustav Svensson, would score a header goal to cap their incredible recap. Uh, I mean, comeback, pardon me, to give us a final score in the 94th minute of Seattle 3, Minnesota 2. Seattle will go to its second consecutive MLS Cup to play at Columbus Crew in Ohio at 5 p.m. Uh, I don't know if you followed it at all, but it was, you know, like I said, for a bit, it just kind of looked bad. You know, they were down bad. They were down two to nothing. Uh, but it's interesting to me. I don't think he'll ever hear this, but I had a, a, a rec soccer coach. Uh, who told me that two nothing is the easiest lead to come back from in soccer, and I don't know how that works, but it rang true. Uh, Seattle getting those three goals unanswered after the 75th minute. Uh, just, I don't know if you followed it, but you know, even if you don't, you know, 12 seasons in a row in the playoffs. That's just that's a feat in any sport. That's incredible, you know, and it's a testament to the way that this organization is run, top to bottom. Excuse me, pardon me. And it's not just um, the playoff appearances uh, necessarily, at least just because they've made it to MLS Cup three times now and they've won it twice. I mean, pardon me, three times, uh, well, four times at least in recent memory uh, because they went in 2017 and they lost to Toronto. Um, so, you know, to win those two in 2016, 2019, and then have a chance to win a third, a back-to-back one here, it's just uh, – franchises run incredibly well from general manager all the way down to the training staff and the coaches and the players just uh it's just quality it's just that's all it is so do you have how any, do you, what are you, you predictions for their next game i uh, i don't i don't really like to do too much it's interesting because uh columbus 
in in 2018, Omari, uh, this they they almost lost their team. So for them to almost lose their team to now um, in the in the final, it's really interesting. Uh, they had the highest points per game in the league, so it's it's really going to be interesting to see how Seattle and Brian Schmetzer, uh game plan for them. And if if you want me to give any, I'm going to knock on wood just because I'm I'm superstitious as hell. Uh, it, it by by looking on paper, you'd almost think that this would be a multiple goal game, but I, I'd almost say this is going to be a close one. I mean, I mean, low score and close one. Uh, just because you know when we see high flying offenses sort of get into the championship game and a lot of different things, you don't really necessarily see a shootout all the time. And I don't know if I'm going to see a shootout, so I, I think it'll be sort of low scoring. Um. And I, I don't know. I don't like to call winners. I really don't. If you want to, go ahead. But I don't really predict winners. Uh, just being from where I'm from, I'm going to say the Sounders are going to win. You there know. we go. I, I like that. You know, got to gotta root for the home team no matter what. There we go. What type of name is the Columbus crew? It, it's, I don't know. There's, there's stories I, to all of this, but crew. You can't lose to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we'll see how that goes. That is on Saturday at 5 p.m. in Ohio. So, uh, you know, hopefully you're uh, going to be tuned into that. Uh, no storm news, no Kraken news until just about next year. No Seattle Dragons either, which leaves us with our well, my, at least my Husky football. I have two other co-hosts who are not Huskies, so you know I don't you know bother them with that. Um, they played Stanford at home uh, in the first quarter. Stanford would get the ball first and drive down the field, and running back Austin Jones would run three yards to score the first touchdown of the game to put Stanford up seven nothing with nine fifty three in the first. Uh, he would score again, Austin Jones with a one-yard touchdown run with 2.05 to go in the quarter to give us a final opening period score of 14 to nothing. In the second quarter, Peyton Henry and the Huskies and uh, his incredible holder, Ray Porter, would get on the board with a 23-yard field goal to cut their Stanford lead to 11, but Stanford would add 10 points prior to the half with running back Nathaniel Pete, which is a very regal name. Like, if I looked up in some sort of, like, medieval book and I saw the name Nathaniel Pete, I wouldn't think twice of it. But anyway, oh, yeah, it's P E A T. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. you know you see what I mean, Nathaniel yeah. Pete. So he had a three-yard touchdown run, and then Jet Toner would add a 42-yard field goal to give Stanford a 24 to three lead going into the half. This would be Washington's second game in a row down by 21 points at the halftime mark of the game. Just. I'll get into it after I go through the scoring recap. Um, Washington would come out after the second quarter, uh, after the third, you know, after halftime and uh, with a two minute and 40 second scoring drive would cap off, uh, would be capped off by a Sean McGrew six yard touchdown run to cut the Cardinal lead to 14. So, you know, two possession game, you know, looking better, but then quarterback Davis Mills would find his wide receiver, Scooter Harrington, Scooter, another cool name for a three yard touchdown run to, I mean, yeah, touchdown pass to put the Cardinal lead back up to 21. Dylan Morris would find uh, the end zone of the QB sneak uh, to finish out the third quarter scoring in with two minutes and 33 to go before the fourth. Uh, but Peyton Henry's PAT would be blocked, so it would give us a fourth quarter. I mean, would give us a score of 31 to 16, Stanford ahead going into the fourth quarter. 
the only scoring in this final quarter would come from Washington, you know, which would normally be a good thing. Uh, Sean McGrew added a two-yard touchdown run with 11.03 in the quarter, and Peyton Henry would nail a 45-yard field goal with 7.55 left. Uh, but in those 7.54, Stanford would take the ball for 7.49, pardon me, 7.49, and they would run the clock out, and that would be it, as the Huskies would lose 31-26 to and go to 3-1. and uh, Passing leaders... I mean, game leaders passing Dylan Morris was 15 of 23 in his attempts and 254 yards, no touchdowns, no INTs. Rushing Sean McGrew was the lead back this game with 16 carries, 65 yards, and two DDs. Ty Jones had two catches for 79 yards, including an incredible one-hander. Um, and standing, the Huskies sit at 3-1, and one, which is still first in the Pac-12 North because Oregon lost to Cal, uh, which sets up a big game next week uh, against Oregon in Eugene um, at 1 p.m. Uh, I'll go back to what I was going to say. You know, even you can say this, Omar, or you can chip in. Any time you go down 21 to nothing in the first quarter, it's bad, you know. But if you go down 21 to nothing, I mean, by, down by 21 points in two consecutive games, that's, that's failure to execute and that's failure to game plan. So it's, you know, I mean, do you have any – thing to add on to that do you think there's something going on or do you just think it's just you know people aren't doing their job you know uh looking at the parts of the game that i did see i did see a bit of it it looks like they you know it looks like the offense had a little bit of trouble but it really seems like the defense really couldn't get a grip on uh like to stopping their run game mm-hmm. yep you nailed on the head right there it's yeah. uh and then even with the offense part uh in injury news, uh, both wide receivers, the starting two starting wide receivers were out. Puka Nakua and Terrell Bynum did not play this game. And then early in the game, they lost. Uh, he's a freshman who Jalen McMillan. No, I think he's a second year player. Jalen McMillan. I think he's a redshirt freshman. Pardon me. Uh, he got out of the game early. So you missed three wide receivers, you know, so it's just, uh, no, you nailed it on the head. They couldn't stop the run. And then, you know, a seven minute and 49 second drive to end the game, you know, couldn't stop the run, whether it was early in the game or whether it was at the end. So it's just uh, disappointing. And when you're going up against Oregon, normally, well, I haven't really seen Oregon play this year, and I know they've lost to Oregon State and Cal now, but it's still Oregon. You know, for the most part of recent memory, they've had our number. So I never really want to underestimate them, and they've got a good program out there now. Uh, they obviously had Chip Kelly back in the day. I mean, I'm sure you remember when uh, a few years ago they they had like a tiny bit of time where they sucked, but um, a little bit, just yeah, barely, like a flash. And then you know they got Mario Cristobal back there. But I mean, I remember, I'm sure you remember the Chip Kelly days when it was guys like the Anthony Thomas and uh, oh shoot, LaMichael James, Marcus Mariota. You know, they they. Oregon's always had a good program, uh, you know, whether you attribute that to the Nike money or whatever, but they've got a good program and they will come out and they will be ready. They will more than likely try to exploit that run game. So that game is in Eugene at 1 p.m. Pacific time, and it will determine who will represent the Pac-12 North in the Pac-12 championship game next week. So that's uh, – if, if you don't win that game, uh, you might be looking at a Apple Cup uh, rescheduled game just because – but uh, yeah, that's that. Huskies. So let's see. Got, Seahawks lost. I got, I got faith in the Huskies. 
Seahawks lost, Sounders won, Huskies lost. So I've got one of two right now. Basketball. Oh boy. Uh will we ever get a team? <sighs> oh, no, I'm talking about the Huskies basketball. Uh, oh damn. <laughs> versus UC Riverside. I don't know if you've ever heard of UC Riverside, but the Huskies lost 57 to 42. Uh Quay Green. Uh, had 18 points, four assists, and eight rebounds sort of the start of that game. I'm not even going to go into that. Uh, Utah, they played Utah, 76-62. to 62. Quake Green was also the player of the game for that game with 21 points, four assists, and four rebounds. Uh, just I don't know what's going on with the program. I mean, you had guys like Isaiah Stewart last year and Jaden McDaniels, uh, both of them NBA quality stars now. Well, I mean, NBA guys now. Um, and then, you know, just not not good. Not good right now. Um, on team news, suspended guard Naz Carter will leave the school and pursue professional opportunities. He planned on signing a deal with an Australian team, but after an investigation upheld two sexual assault allegations and finalized his suspension, it was announced that the Australian team would not be uh, signing him. So, you know, all of the best of luck to Naz Carter out there. Uh, team sits at 0-3. Woo! Stink fast. Hey, Washington um, State did that three and oh. Yeah. A guy I've been thinking about getting or trying to get on is uh Noah. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if he'd be interested, but you know, oh, he'd be sure. he'd be a guy to talk to. So mm-hmm. I don't have any Sonics news. We don't have our Sonics as Omari uh kind of talked alluded to there, but that is us. Someday. Is it? Oh. Someday. Yeah. I'll be back. Oh yeah. And especially with uh the way that they're redoing former key arena, new climate pledge arena. I feel like it's just a matter of time. So this is Omari's debut episode here. Um, definitely good to have. I, I've been, I've been thinking about this a while. I didn't tell him cause I wanted it to be a surprise, but uh, I wanted to add Omari here for a bit. Bennett kind of floated the idea and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So now we've got him on. We got a, I don't know if I still is it, if it's a co-host or there's a, another word for that, but. You know, we're all yes. co-hosts now, so yeah. Um, that is it. Uh, Husky, ooh, pardon me. Seahawks play the Jets on Sunday at one o five. The Sounders play Columbus Crew on Saturday on the road at five p.m. And the Huskies play Oregon on the, the road in Eugene on Saturday at one p.m. So that is it. Omari, do you have any uh, parting words? Uh, nah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, hopefully I'm back on for another episode. Hopefully the Seahawks get their stuff together. Hopefully the Huskies can use all the great talent that they got going on and really put it into a direction so they can win some games. Cause you know, there's, they're not losing games. They, they should, they should be, they should be winning. They should be winning. Oh yeah. No. And it's, uh, it, it is interesting just cause you know, it is Jimmy Lake's first year and they've got younger guys, but no, for real. Like it's, it's not, this is a pretty young team to me. When I look at who's like starting mm-hmm. and like, who's like where they are in like their depth chart is like, these guys seem pretty younger than usual. You know, they had a lot of oh, seniors yeah. starting oh, yeah. last year. They lost a lot of guys. But, you know, that means you got, like, a lot of hungry players who are really out here trying to play. Really, Oh, yeah. And, and all that will happen this year, even though it's a shortened schedule, they'll get experience. And that's important. So, one, one thing I, I did want to say is uh, Savelle Smalls. I remember, I think it, it wasn't for a football game, I don't think. It was one of the basketball championship games in the Tacoma Dome, right? This big dude walks by me, and I was like, wait, I know who that is. It was fucking Savelle Smalls. I was like, huh, I didn't bother him. But, you know, that was cool to see. And um, in a 
who I think next year, right? Uh, Owen Prentice, O'Day's own, will be a Husky. So, you know, that'll be cool. But other than that, uh, the other podcast that both Omari and I and our friend Bennett are a part of, uh, is it? I, it's I've Got, right? It's not I Have, it's I've Got. Have I been saying it wrong this whole time? I don't remember. It's one of the two. I've got a bad that feeling about like- this. Um, it's a Star Wars podcast. We At the moment, it's mainly Mandalorian. I will check it just in case because I might be wrong. And I, I'm wrong. It is. I got a bad. I've got. I've got a bad feeling about this. I've been so, saying it wrong for so. <laughs> it, they're pretty similar. Um, but yeah, we're all a part of that. So if you happen to like sports, Seattle sports ball, and you like Star Wars, uh, go and check us out. This I've got a bad feeling about this. It's also on Spotify. Uh, I don't know if Bennett put it on Apple Podcast too, but um, just you know. Same place you can find us at. Um, and yeah, that's it. Hopefully, if everything goes to plan, we'll have all three of us next week. And uh, yeah. The Yawks are winning. That's, that's the plan. Random noise. Oh, wait. No, I don't want to end the meeting. Baba Booey.